You're listening to the Create More Good podcast, a place where we can explore the hidden gems among us and look at various ways to overcome some of the barriers in creating more good right where we are. Welcome everyone to the Create More Good podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Jan Cartman, and she specializes in wayfinding consulting which for people like me is very, very useful because I get lost with things like GPS. So, Jen, welcome to the show. And let's find out more about, you know, how this really helps create more good in our world today. Okay. Well, thanks, David. I'm really happy to be with you. Um, my field is um, at the juncture of environmental design and human behavior. Uh, I call myself an architectural sociologist because that's what my PhD is in, architecture and sociology. And the importance of that in creating more good in the world is that we all need places from, um, you know, our work areas and our homes or our kitchens, our office spaces, the places where we work out, places where we shop and you know, go use a library, places where we receive medical care, places where we go uh, for cultural events, transportation hubs, all the different kinds of places we use need to be designed to accommodate what we do and to make accomplishing the things that we're trying to accomplish as easy as possible so that we can get on with our lives and doing them. When, when places don't do that, we become frustrated and angry and uh, it takes more time to do things and um, negative consequences result. So that's the kind of the big picture of what um, I'm working in is, is to create places that are great for human beings. What it takes to do that is um, a, a lot of things. It takes... Um, clients and owners who have that as a value. It takes designers who welcome um, information about people uh, who are going to be using their spaces. And it takes um, people, researcher, designer, environmental psychologist types like me to start the communication and collect the information about what people want and need, what the, what the potential users are going to do, what they prefer, um, how they're affected by current environments, what's good, what's bad, what they'd like to see in future environments, um, and also to have a sense for how environments will change over time because they all, they all do that. So that's, that's what I do, I'm a, a kind of a, a translator between designers and um, owners, managers, administrators, decision makers, and the everyday people who use places and spaces. Um, I have two specialty areas. One is uh, in health facility design, and there's certainly lots of big, complicated hospitals and and medical centers that we all uh, are familiar with. Um, And my other specialty is called wayfinding, as you mentioned, which is how people are able to navigate understand where they are, understand where they're going, find an effective path between the two, know when they're at their destination, and then find their way back to their starting point. So that's what we call wayfinding. Wayfinding in health facilities 
is a problem in in uh, for, for many people. Health facilities are big, complex, confusing, use terminology that's not necessarily familiar to everybody. They involve long distances between destinations, uh, and it and most of the users of health facilities are people under stress. And so it's harder to um, take in information. It's hard to make good decisions when you're when you're stressed out. So that's why health facility wayfinding is the um, the area that I've done the most the most work in. Wow, ah, that's that's very very impressive. I can say as a person that does a lot of work on the more web aspect of things, uh, we tend to call it user experience or customer experience. Um, and we find that a lot of the problems that you know we face are people who may be looking for very quick bits of information, um, and then they have to wade through tons and tons of information. Some of it doesn't make sense. A lot of similarities to you know what it is that you're doing. Um, so I definitely you know do respect what you're doing and appreciate that you know we have people like you in this world who are doing these things to you know create better experiences. Um, so a question for you would be. Was this something that you always knew you were going to do, or did you happen to stumble into it? Um, how did you find this passion? That's, that's a great question, because I think, I think that's one of the most interesting things to, to find out about people. Some people always know. For me, this was not a field. When I was growing up, there wasn't anything like this, so, so there's no way I could have known it. But I was always interested in design and I was always interested in behavior. And I should say the third thing I was always interested in was communications. And so um, of the, the and, and also healthcare. So of the career paths that were open to me at that time, I thought I might be a nurse, an interior designer, or a news broadcaster. Those were those were when I was when I was a kid, those were the things. And you know, uh, nursing and interior designing were, were career choices for women. Um, architecture was not as um, obvious a choice for, for a young girl, and neither was, was medicine. So some of this was as a result of the, of the sexism of, of the time. But those things, those interests came together for me when I was an undergraduate, and I read a book called Personal Space, by Robert Summer, and this was the first book I ever read that looked at the issues of um, how physical design, how the physical environment affects behavior, and that was an aha moment for me, and I had no idea, absolutely no idea what I could do with that or if there was anything anybody could do with that, but I knew that that's what interested me, uh, and so the first thing I did after undergraduate school was to go to graduate school and get a degree in city planning because I thought that might um, be something that could combine um, environment and behavior. It wasn't quite the field for me and I took it further later um, into architecture and sociology um, and in, in other directions, literally and figuratively. But that was the, the um, initial inspiration for me. And this inspiration has actually led you to writing a couple books um, I've come to notice as well. Uh, I have, yeah. With with my partner, Myron Grant, I've written two books. 
uh, the first book is called Design That Cares, Planning Health Facilities for Patients and Visitors. And it is a book about to um, appear in its third edition in 2015, uh, published by uh, Josie Bass, Bass, which is a division of John Wiley. Um, and it is a book for, it's, it's used as a textbook now, and it's also used for uh, designers and decision makers who are wanting to design facilities for positive customer experience and don't know exactly how to go about that. So it goes through um, lots of design guidelines based on uh, research evidence and has what are called design review questions that are useful when somebody um, is being asked to review a set of drawings or um, some design options um, and provides questions that they should ask about how these features uh, will function for patients and visitors. So that's the first book. The second book is called Directional Sense, How to Find Your Way Around. And this is a book that is directed to everyday people who have trouble, um, like you, David, um, <laughs> navigating um, in everyday places. And what it does is to, first of all, say that you are not alone. There are many people who uh, call themselves directionally challenged, which is a little bit of a euphemism, um, but who consistently have difficulty uh, understanding where they are and where they're going and getting there effectively um, in all kinds of places from libraries to highways to um, cul-de-sacs in a suburb to uh, a healthcare facility. And so this book takes, takes you step-by-step step through the skills that you need to navigate effectively from reading signs to uh, following maps, uh, recognizing landmarks, using wayfinding technology like GPS, understanding wording, understanding layouts, things like that. And it's very, it's, it's designed and written in a very, very friendly uh, uh, manner so that it's, it's an appealing book. It, it does the opposite. Directionally challenged people usually feel very intimidated and, uh, you know, think less of themselves for not being able to navigate. But this book is a, is a very friendly uh, introduction to how to learn the skills that you need to find your way around effectively. It's amazing. It thought came to me that, you know, the frustrations and, you know, lower views of self-esteem from something like this could possibly spill over into, you know, the workplace where, uh, people may not know the proper steps to go through a project or um, to do whatever tasks that they're, you know, given. Um, and they may feel as if, you know, they're sinking or, you know, drowning in that particular field. So that's definitely something that's that's very, very good. And we'll also have links for these in our show notes, uh, just in case anyone wants to go ahead and read those books. I know I will. I love reading actually have a little bit of a reading challenge going on this year. Um, so that's definitely getting added to my book list. Uh, one thing I do want to know is we always see how or where we are now. Um, but let's go back a little bit. Let's go into, you know, a struggle, a part where you weren't quite sure that this was going to be, you know, something that I guess was your thing, um, a point where you felt like you wanted to give up and, you know, how, 
I guess your passion for creating more good and just overall passion for doing what you do kind of came into play and helped you with overcome those? I think that's a good question because I think it is very easy um, to take anybody where they are and trace a path back and say, well, of course, you know, it led me to this place, of course, and it was perfect and easy and effortless and, you know, ta-da. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it's not like that at all. I think there are struggles all the time. I've certainly had many struggles, not so much with my own commitment. I've always been committed to this for one reason or another. I don't know why. Um, but it's getting, I think, a shared buy-in. I think that would be where I would say um, the challenges have come. It's in finding um, like-minded clients who value this aspect of customer experience, wayfinding, improving wayfinding, who can understand the nuances of it because it's not a one-dimensional issue. It doesn't involve um, putting up a few signs on the wall and that's it, everything's fine. It, it's really quite complicated. It's, it's understanding a whole variety of um, differences in people's abilities to um, communicate the information that they need, the information that they can understand, um, all of that. It's, you know, from older people to kids, people who speak the prevailing language, people with a range of disabilities. There's just a huge variety of, of human experience that goes into what we call so-called user experience. It's, it's enormously nuanced. Um, wayfinding systems are nuanced. Decisions are detailed. It's, it's complicated. It involves resources. It takes time to understand what's going on, to plan, to design, to implement, and then to maintain a living, breathing wayfinding system over time. So the challenge is in find, has been in finding um, organizations that value this aspect of customer experience enough to devote the time and energy and resources to it over a long period of time. And because health facilities, we also work with museums and universities and a whole variety of, of cultural institutions and all of that, they all have so many competing issues for their limited pot of resources. And that's, that's the problem. Everybody would love to have a perfect HVAC system and a perfect wayfinding system and perfectly beautiful landscaping and on and on and on, but they can't do everything. And so they have to prioritize. And our challenge uh, of, of my consulting firm, um, Cartman Grant Associates, has been to you know, be the, the, the cheerleaders for user experience with regard to wayfinding, to, to help them um, understand and remember over the long term how important this issue is to patients, to visitors, to staff, to all the people who come into a, a health facility or to visitors in a museum, to passengers in an airport, to any of, of um, users of facilities who need to understand where they are and get where they're going. This is a really important issue. Oh, I definitely do agree. Uh, it's one of those you tend to have, you know, shareholders and the actual user and the people implementing it. They all may have a different understanding, but, you know, someone that really simplifies that, I guess, user story or uh, 
situational, I guess, awareness of what's going on uh, is definitely very key into making sure that, you know, it's very successful going down. Um, is there one story that comes to mind that, you know, looking back on it now, you kind of makes you laugh, but I guess while you're experiencing it, you know, it was something that um, your ability to see the good in it or create a positive uh, environment um, gave that particular issue, you know, success in the end. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you the story that inspired um, our book, Directional Sense, um, because this was, this was another aha moment for me um, of, of understanding an issue from a new perspective. Um, and here's the story of that. I was um, driving my daughter's um, class, some of her class, on a field trip. And the teacher, my daughter's teacher, asked if she could drive with me. And this was probably, we were going someplace maybe 50, 60 miles from the school. So it was going to be um, a little bit of a trip. And as we drove, we left the school and, and the teacher had, had directions. And this was before the days of GPS, um, had directions and got in the car kind of nervously and said to me, are you going to be okay doing this? And I kind of looked at her a little oddly and said, yeah, of course, you know, just give me the directions and we'll, and we'll get going. So she did, she gave me the directions and we went on our way. And uh, a couple times the directions were a little sketchy or they were actually wrong and we had to turn around. And at each of those moments, she said to me, oh my God, oh my God, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And I said, you know, we'll be fine. We'll turn around and if this is wrong, we'll go in the other direction, you know, or look, we'll get out a map and we'll figure out where we are on the map and where our destination is and then we'll we'll find a route if the directions aren't right we'll we'll find another way it'll be fine and so we did that and and she got there kind of emotionally exhausted a little bit uh, but was fine the field trip was good and then we had to drive the 60 you know 50 60 miles back to the school and again the directions were kind of sketchy and and you know we did our we did our best but it was it was fine and we got back to the school and she looked at me and she says I can't believe that you just did that <laughs> and I said well, did what and she said you you got us to the field trip, even though the directions were wrong, you, you pulled out a map, you were able to read it, you could figure out another route that was different from the directions. And then when we got all the way back there, you reversed everything and you got us back to school. And I said, is that unusual? And, and, and granted, you know, you have to understand, I work in wayfinding, okay? I mean, this is my job. It's not my job because necessarily I have a great sense of direction, but it's something I deal with all the time. Right. So I didn't think this was unusual. Well, it was very clear to me that she thought it was extremely unusual. And then she confessed to me that the reason she asked me to drive and she wanted to not drive herself was that she had a terrible time doing this. She couldn't find her way around to save her life. Her husband was also terrible at it. And that what that just started bells dinging in my head because I thought, oh my God, there are people who really, really have trouble with this. If I can understand what goes through their minds, if I can understand what the world looks like to them as they try to navigate, I will have, you know, so much better 
understanding of how to create places where people can find their way. So I interviewed her uh, a couple weeks later and her husband and started learning about directionally challenged people. And that led me to interviewing more people and more people and more people and more people. And then, you know, my partner and I realized that we really could put together a lot of information that would be helpful to directionally challenged people and take uh, this, this burden off them, because it's really a burden um, to, number one, help them understand why it happens, number two, they're not alone, and number three, really provide strategies and step-by-step -step, um, training for how to learn to find your way around better. Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, it is very true, you know, we often get caught up in the various bubbles that we tend to live or spend most of our time in. For me, it tends to be a lot of things like design and technology and uh, recently um, my daughter. So, you know, it's very important, like you mentioned, to really take a look at, you know, different perspectives. Um, so in all of this, what would you say is the most important aspect of creating good experiences um, or just creating good in general? Huh. Great question. I would, I would say it's understanding things from the perspective of the people who are going to be using what you're creating. I think, it, so it's a, it's a bottom-up rather than a top-down approach. I think given, and, and this is the idea of um, evidence-based, user-based information, um, given people's needs to find their way or have privacy or, um, you know, operate in, with a disability, there are many, many ways to design places to accommodate and, and features to accommodate those needs. There's not just one. But you have to be sure that what you're creating will accommodate those needs. And also understanding, as, as I said before, the variety of, of human needs. That's not just one dimensional. And also that there will be change. Whatever you create today and you know you think will fit those user needs perfectly today, tomorrow will change. And so it's design is not enough. There have to be the operational practices and the ongoing maintenance and the updating and the, um, the assessment to be sure that these features and systems and environments continue to serve the needs of the people who use them. Mm. True, true. Now, in working in this field, this is a very, very unique one. Um, I don't think I've really come across anyone that has specifically, I guess, set their focus on something like this. Um, and given that, you know, like you had mentioned before, finding like-minded people, um, outside of that, what other aspects of uh, in this field or creating more good or staying positive have you struggled with the most? So I think um, with regard to um, what we do, what what's gratifying is to be creative to figure out how to um, approach 
this issue in a whole variety of ways, how to communicate with different audiences from professional organizations to individual people. Um, just the other day, I gave a talk to a group, um, a, a long, uh, lifelong learning group um, who came in and said, you know, we have a terrible time with this. We, we just, um, you know, never really learned how to navigate. We have trouble with wayfinding technology. We have trouble because the places that we once knew so well have all changed now. So there are, there are different issues involved in um, people over the lifespan of how to navigate. There are different issues involved for people who are making decisions involving large organizations. There are people who are making decisions about which GPS app to choose for their smartphone. You know, so, so wayfinding continues to be a fascinating issue for me because of its relevance, because of its importance, and because of its enormous variety in environmental types, in people's needs and preferences, who use it in attitudes about it, in its ramifications across um, our society from technology to, um, to layouts of a, of a new community um, to um, public transportation. So it's just, it's an endlessly fascinating issue. And there are, there is so much room for innovation and, and improvement. And I, sh I should emphasize, not all of which deals with technology or not all of which will be solved by technology. And I think that's a, a bit of a misconception now is that, well, we have GPS, we don't need to do anything else, but it's more complicated and, and um, involved than that. That is a very good point. Uh, it reminds me lately that I've been quite fascinated with the human aspect that, you know, despite all the technology that we have, and it is great, it makes life easier, but in a lot of ways, it tends to complicate our lives as well. Um, and there's that layer that's lost of our very own humanity that, you know, we just kind of put that aside and rely on technology to get us all the way through. And when it doesn't, then we get frustrated and take that out on whomever may be around us. Um, so one thing that has really fascinated me, you know, about what you said was the fact that despite that there are all these struggles and, you know, obstacles that you have to overcome, it's because of those that they kind of motivate you to keep going out and creating good experiences and positive environments for people to be in. I think that's true. I think, I think that it's a function of, of one's internal uh, motivation and passion and desire to create good, um, to use your, your theme. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if you really not only believe in something but see the evidence of its importance, which I've certainly seen over, over many years, um, and to know that it's... Um, it's important to continue to explore um, different ways of, of not only 
having organizations create things for people, but also for people to create experiences for themselves. And this is this has been the um, the most fun part of of looking at wayfinding from the perspective of directionally challenged people is to say how can uh, people who think that they cannot find their way, that this is something that they can't do, they've never been able to do, they never will be able to do, and to change their attitudes about it, to say, yeah, this is something everybody has to learn. For you, it may be harder to learn than for some other people, but everybody, you know, this is something, nobody's born knowing where North is and knowing how to follow a map. So, this is something that you can learn and let's do it step by step and figure out what's going to be the best way for you and what you need to know in order to go about your life in the, in the best possible way for you. And um, let's try it in, in that direction too. So I've had the fun of working uh, kind of top down from uh, perspective of organizations and designers to create places and also from the bottom up from the perspective of users understanding what they want and need and helping them uh, become more uh, empowered in taking responsibility uh, for their navigation and their use of, uh, of space. Hmm, that's amazing. So to round out our conversation, which has been a very lovely one so far. Definitely learned a lot and even changed my perception a little bit on finding places where I'm going. Um, what is one thing that anyone can do, regardless of field, that they can do to improve the good in their life? Well, I would say um, choose an issue that is important to you that you think is important to our fellow human beings and figure out how you can begin to contribute to that in a positive way or make a change to the way that's seen or communicate about that or um, take some kind of action that will start you and maybe other people on a path to um, making a positive change uh, in how that issue is is addressed or handled or looked at or um, thought about. Yes, that's, that's a very good tip. Jen, I thank you for being on the show. Uh, it really has helped me uh, a lot with my own perception on the topic, as well as opening up my mind to you know many other perceptions that exist as I go about in my day-to-day -day life. Hope our listeners have taken away something else that they can use also. And from us here at Create More Good, we really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much, David. May I give my website addresses if anyone's interested in Definitely. finding out more? Definitely. Okay. Um, the uh, book, Directional Sense, information about how to purchase it and stories about people who are directionally challenged and much more information is available at directionalsense.com, which is the book website. And my professional website for wayfinding consulting for complex 
uh, organizations is wayfinding.com, W-A-Y-F-I-N-D-I-N-G.com. And there is information on that website about our book, Design That Cares, Planning Health Facilities for Patients and Visitors. And that will be published in its third edition, um, hopefully at the end of 2015. Awesome. And we'll also include those in our show notes. So those of those that are listening can grab those links and check out more about what it is that you do. Terrific. David, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure to be a guest on your podcast. Oh, it's been an honor to have you. Thank you so much. I know I've learned a lot about wayfinding, and I hope that you have too. And I also hope that you've learned something else that can help you create a little bit more good in your day-to-day life this week. We want to thank Jan once more for being on the show. And you can find more info about Jan and the Create More Good project at www.createmoregood.co. And we look forward to seeing you again here next week. 